Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly Minnesota where we dig into the things that we've been watching, reading, listening to. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth, and this week we are talking about two spooky novels, a divisive movie on Twitter, we enter the Matrix four times, and finally, <laughs> a smoldering Richard Gere. And some other weird shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Smoldering Richard Gear. Uh, let's start with the, with these novels. What what did okay. you read? So, okay, the one that I I bought this a while ago and on my Kindle and I'm just got about around to reading it because I got an iPad for Christmas and Ooh. so it's easier to have like an e-reader that way and it's just like I don't know, I like the size of it better. It feels more like the size of a book than my phone. Mm. But um I'm reading The Fiends and the Furrows, which is an anthology mm. of folk horror. Oh. And it is this really interesting, like, anthology of, of folk horror short stories. 
And I read I've read a couple so far, um, but there's nine in here, and they're really good. They're creepy, and it's like got the full core vibe. And the one I just read was set kind of like in you know like medieval-ish times, but they're not all set in the past. And so it's a really interesting collection and look at folk horror from different perspectives because I love folk horror movies. And I've only read a few folk horror books, so I was kind okay. of dipping my toes into reading more, more horror fiction that's folk that is folk horror. And so I have I love short story collections. I feel like there are so many good ones out there right now, and it's such a good way to discover new writers. And again, I think I've said this before, but like my attention span really quite enjoy short stories because I feel like well, I finished one short story, I finished one mini book, so yeah. just helps my brain a little bit like feel better about that but so is this one author or multiple authors so it's multiple authors it's okay. um, every story is written by a different person okay so it's a it's was edited by david t neal and christine m scott but every story is by a different person okay yeah which i like a lot because you get like a little because i again like more recently i've kind of been reading collections of short stories by one person so this mm -hmm. is nice to kind of get a little bit more not that I don't like those kinds, but like it's kind of nice to get a bunch of different perspectives on the genre in one. Well, it can so. be a good intro introduction to different writers too. Exactly. Yeah. So that is currently what I'm reading. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's creepy. The, fir the first what was one it I read again? had. It's called um, A Fiend, uh, uh, The Fiends in the Furrows. Okay. That's a great title. Mm -hmm. And the cover is really cool too. Um, I mean, listeners, you can't see this, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's fun. that's rocking. But yeah, so that is what I've been reading. I really am enjoying it so far. Um, but what about you, Terry? What are you reading? So, listeners, we didn't plan this, uh, but I am also reading a, sh a book on folk. It's folk horror. What the? <laughs> <laughs> Mine is a singular novel, and it's by Adam Neville. I say Neville, but I don't know if that's right. Uh, it is his new novel that came out in September called Cunning Folk. How have I not read that yet? Okay, hold on. I'm while you're saying this, I'm searching it on my phone. <laughs> and I'm not done with it. I have. I'm okay. listening to it on my commute, and I have about an hour and a half left out of twelve hours, so I'm almost done. And I can. I feel like I can say at this point that it is really good. And I feel like unless he just like shits the bed in the ending, <laughs> that this is like a really, a really, really, really good book. And it takes place in rural Southwest England. And this, uh, this family, a man, his wife, um, their child, their young daughter and a, 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 a dog have bought this fixer upper house. That's like miles away from, Anywhere and anyone familiar, they kind of sunk their whole life savings into this because they've been wanting to own a house and it needs a lot of work. And the next door neighbors is this um, elderly couple and mm -hmm. they are immediately mean to the new the new people moving in. Their yard is like pristine and immaculate, whereas like the yard in this house is like run down and overgrown and dying. And their house is beautiful, whereas his house is like rotting, it seems like. They start to like have this like game of one upsmanship against against each other because like they're just being so mean to Tom and Tom is trying to fix up his house with his wife and his wife is working while he's at home fixing things and it starts to like escalate and then the daughter ends up going into the forest and sees this like hare slash human standing on two legs and this boar standing on two legs dancing in some glen. 
and it just escalates from there. Fuck yeah, that sounds great. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that, guys. If you see a man-hair hybrid and a boar-human hybrid just fucking cutting a rug behind your house, totally fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then their, their dog starts to like dig in the backyard and ends up pulling up these, like um, I think they're brass or iron bricks that have like arcane runes written in them. And it just like escalates from there. It is uh, kind of horrifying in some in some spots. I'm listening to it, and I, you okay. know, Mary Beth. Ever since we started podcasting and like we're editing and we have sound stuff, like uh-huh. this is not a good recording. Oh no! Like, did you buy it like through Audible or something? I did, and I do not okay. recommend listening to it. the The narrator is really good. Oh no! But like. There's like, um, it almost sounds as if he's holding a can of like soda next to the mic because there's like this kind of, you know, that kind of fizzy pop that, that kind of happens. And at one point, there's like, I think a heater is on in the background. And at what? one point, they, they noise reducts to the point where it's like he almost sounds a little like robotic. Like, I don't know. No, like those are things I wouldn't like that we know not to. Oh, are we, are we smarter than everyone? <laughs> <laughs> We could be sound engineers for Audible.com. You know, yeah, I was listening anyway. to this and going, man, I could I could have edited the shit. And some of it, like, you could tell that he had to, like, record over because the voice is all of a sudden different in the middle of, of oh, a sentence. okay. And I'm like, okay, this is not a good recording. So I do not recommend listening to it through Audible, but I do recommend picking this book up because it is absolutely fabulous so far. I'm, uh, like... Like I said, about an hour and a half away from the ending. I cannot wait okay. to listen to it more. There's one point where I literally gasped. It's it's very intense. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to have to see to read that next. It's Again, like now I have my iPad and I'm like, oh, cool. I can just get all the books on my Kindle and then never read them. So I'm both physically <laughs> and digitally hoarding books. Good for me. Um, but that sounds incredible. I... Don't know why I can leave space on that one, so I'm gonna have to read that. <laughs> Terry, what's this okay. divisive Twitter movie? They've given you like six options at this point. I know. Because Twitter is just angry at everybody right what? now. Seriously, <laughs> I what is understand. Up? I think it's like end of the year, COVID's crazy again, even though like never went away, but I think it's gotten worse. The holidays were weird as fuck for most people that I know. I think we're all just angry. <laughs> Well, it kind of fits because this movie is very angry. It's a Don't Look Up by Adam McKay. You know? Uh-huh. Okay. Did you look up? Sorry, that was such a bad joke. Oh, I, I sure did. I would have definitely been looking <laughs> up. So a lot of people have said this is this movie kind of fails as satire because it's not funny. I think this movie okay. is funny. But okay. if you look up the definition of satire. <laughs> the Oxford English Dictionary says... <laughs> The satire is the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule. Not all of them, one or the other, to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices. This movie is all about ridicule. This movie is definitely of the moment. Uh, This movie is definitely kind of tackling what it feels like to live in the last five years if you're a sane, rational person. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, if you if you haven't if you haven't been on Twitter and you don't know what it's about, listeners, it is about astronomers who discover a giant meteor that is hurling toward Earth that is an extinction level event. 
they can't pe- get people to take it seriously. Uh, the news media won't take it seriously. The president wants to wait on the news because they're facing midterm elections. It's like all of these. Yeah, <laughs> it's like all of these things. And then it kind of gets wrapped up into this thing where a pop star is literally like singing about it, about looking up because she believes and, and it's played by Ariana Grande and because she's oh. like in, in believing it. And it's it's. It's 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 a ridiculous movie. It's not exactly like you're not going to sit there and laugh. I saw some reviews on on Rotten Tomatoes that were like, "This would have been worked better if it was like silly." And I'm like, mm, "What it though?" I, my biggest complaint is that I think it is 30 minutes too long. <laughs> okay. It's definitely a very long movie that kind of overstays its welcome. I do think it probably could have used editing, which I think a lot of Netflix movies could use, to be perfectly frank. But you know what? I feel like this is a movie that in five years from now, people are going to reappraise it once we're not in the shit and it's going to hold up incredibly well. I still haven't seen it. Yeah. I mean, if you go on Twitter, people will tell you not to see it. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that it's like a, a five star movie for me. It's about a three. If they had cut maybe 30 minutes and had like edited it better, it probably would have been a three and a half or a four, but it's not, as terrible as Twitter wants you to think it is. You la- did you laugh? I did. There's a couple times where I laugh. But again, I don't think... I don't know. I think this is a, it's a very kind of mean movie. But I also think mm-hmm. that it's like a... Dudes, this is what it would happen right now. If a meteor were crashing on the Earth, we would be arguing about it. About whether that's yeah. really happening. And I think that's one of the reasons why I don't want to watch it. Because it's not even Twitter. Like, I could give a shit at this point, like what I give a shit, what people think about this movie, if they're coming out from like an intelligent slash, like kind ish. I mean, I say kind, I mean like not trying to yell at another person uh-huh. <laughs> for liking it or disliking it and not kind towards the movie. Like I don't give a shit, but I just was like, Oh, it's just too soon. Like there's some, there's some things that are coming out that are just like too soon. The movie, <laughs> this yeah. feels like one of those movies. Um, but now that everyone's talking so much shit about it, I kind of want to see it because I feel like I need to have my own opinion about it. Well, and I, I think the people are bringing a lot of their own, what they kind of want it to be, vice what it actually is. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a bunch of like, I wanted this to be funny. I wanted this to be almost slapstick or silly or, you know, airplane level, like parody. But I'm like, this isn't. It's not a parody. It's I mean, if you're going into this thinking like, you know, he's making Anchorman again, I mean, but you're I just, not going to get it. But Well, I'm like, I don't – and maybe like, I can't wait till someone proves me wrong, but like I don't know how you can make a movie like Anchorman about a subject like this. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe I'm a dumbass, but I just feel like especially what's going on now, I feel like it's – not the right climate for that kind of movie. I think everyone would definitely would even more be like, this isn't really bad. This is a serious thing. And why are we making it? You know, that's basically, I don't think anyone would be happy with regardless of how this movie were made. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I actually enjoyed it. Like I said, it's too long. Uh, but I thought it was good. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Um, okay, so The Matrix Four Ways. Something much better than Don't Look Up. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, that is, that, is a, that is a statement I can get behind. Uh, so we both 
watched uh, the first three re- watched rewatched. You had seen them before, right? I had seen them before. Yeah. So we both rewatched the first three Matrixes, matrices <laughs> in <laughs> prep for the Matrix Resurrections. And what did you think on rewatching them? Did your oh, opinions I love change them so much more? Love them so much more. Like I already loved the like, obviously loved the first one and had seen it so many times, but I hadn't I hadn't rewatched all of two or any of three since I initially saw them. Mm-hmm. So it was like I had a vague idea of like, oh, I kind of liked two, but three was terrible. Bitch, I was so wrong about three. Three rules. Why is everyone so negative about it? It's so good. And Steve had a point because we watched them like each day we watched one. So, or no, actually, no, it was, we watched one, two, and then the day before, the day we saw four, we saw, we watched three in the morning. Okay. But I think he made a point that, like, watching them back to back to back to back is better in a way, because, like, you, you, you don't, you have less time to, like, think about all the potholes, and you're more, like, diving right back into that world and kind of, like, have a better understanding of what's going on. Because, like, I think the problem I have I saw two and three in the theater and I was a child. Like I was a literal child. So like I didn't get what was going on mm-hmm. in the matrix in general, but now I'm like, this is so complex and cool and incredible. And this world is beautiful. And there are problems with it, obviously, but I don't care because I love it so much. What about you? Um, I really enjoyed rewatching um, all three of them. I had not seen two or three since the movie theater. Um, I hadn't seen one since probably around that same time. It's not Wait, as much really? as as much as I like The Matrix. It's not a movie I go back to very often. Oh, okay. So it's it's when I rewatch The Matrix like with with alarming regularity. <laughs> I mean, it's a good movie. It, it's it's definitely not like I'm not you know criticizing the movie by any stretch. I love the movie. I just it's not. I don't know. It's just not one that I ever gravitate to very much. My brother does. My brother loves The Matrix. But yeah, so I I course really enjoyed the first one uh i remember not liking the second one in the movie theater um and i absolutely loved it now like i think it is the second best of like of that original trilogy um i think in regards to it being an action film it like kicks the ass of the other two personally uh and you know i remember thinking in the movie theater that some of the effects did not look good but i'll tell you what on a rewatch with the 4k version of it up on the tv I love the big burly fight between him and and the hundreds of Mr. Smiths and the It's it is kind of terrible but it's also incredible. It's so good. It's and so like good. it made me realize just how far some effects in blockbusters have not come because like it doesn't look any worse than a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing in movie theaters right now. And I'll tell you what Barring, um, ignoring for the fact that Mad Max Fury Road is like the best chase movie ever, the uh, freeway scene in Reloaded is just... And when you think about what they did to get that, where they built a freeway, they built a fucking freeway. They were given hundreds of cars to destroy. You think about that, and then you look at movies now with a car with a car crash and all the car races and all that kind of stuff, and it's all computer generated. There's nothing real about it. This is real filmmaking, and this was fantastic. Meanwhile, the Wachowski sisters are like, we blew that shit up for real. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So good and like okay the ghost effects too for like the ghost twins aren't necessarily the best but i still fucking love it when he like goes ghost and fades into the car i don't think it's any worse than effects today trinity's leather clad ass getting on that motorcycle with the key master 
And the key master, also like the key master, like an older man is just like a badass little dude. Like cinema. Oh God, it's so good. And then fucking Neo flies out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, and oh, and I, I forgot how much I love the Merovingian. I forgot how much I loved him as a villain. Mm-hmm. And that um, Monica Bellucci is in this with her mm-hmm. beautiful tits and her beautiful face. Mm-hmm. It was like I forgot. Also, there's a giant orgy scene in the second one. Yeah. But three was the one that really grew on me. Okay. I don't, I just like didn't remember a lot of it. And for some reason, I thought it was much more nonsensical than it was. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's pretty wild. But like, it made more sense. And the the, the war scene with the machines and all of them oh. in Zion. Fucking epic. Incredible battle scene. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. Eat your heart and, like, out, Disney movies. Right, though? And like, all of the stuff for the the... The, like the machine world was incredible <laughs> like the thing that the baby face that pops up and talks to neo <laughs> like <laughs> i just think they're so good i think and i saw a lot of this in the timeline that like people were saying that the whole trilogy is incredible and i was like yeah it really is like they and so that and i was super excited for four because mm-hmm. like i love this trilogy and i think they're so incredible and then i was super like steve and i had our own little christmas on the 23rd he bought me tickets to go see the matrix he Aww. made me dinner and then we had matrix night and it was very exciting and so i what did you think terry hot take i think okay i think you need the original matrix to watch this movie but i think this movie is better than the matrix oh that is a hot take. I appreciate I it because I really loved it. I don't necessarily think it's better than The Matrix. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm in the minority with that. But, but I, okay, I was like, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't, I love this movie. It's incredible, but ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I loved this movie so much. It was so good. And I love everything about it. The end. That's it. That's my review. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. It's over. Maybe it's because I had just seen um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Which is like, oh, okay, all about the nostalgia, all about like recreating almost word for word, scene for scene, scenes from the original one. Being like, hey, <laughs> remember when you loved this? Let's do it again in 2021. And then I watched uh, Spider Man, which again I really enjoyed. I loved. I think it's probably the best of the Spider Mans, but also was carting on this idea of nostalgia for the entire franchise of any Spider Man movie that had come out since Sam Raimi. And so I watched this, and in the very opening scene, it's almost a, a shot for shot recreation of The Matrix. But then Bugs is, is sitting there, who, by the way, Bugs, I would love. More movies just about her, because she is the Matrix extended universe hot. about bugs. I, I was like, I am getting married in October, and once I am getting, I get married, I'm cutting my hair and dying a blue like bugs. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> she's incredible. But oh my I God. love that, that she's watching the scene and the line and it it is stuck in my head since I saw the movie is why use old code to make something new. And that right there is the kernel of the matrix resurrection. It is the kernel of how much movies today rely on nostalgia instead of actually creating character beats. And so you have this moment where it's like, it's meta. And I know a lot of people trash this movie for being so meta, but it's this moment of like, this is what you wanted. 
this is what you'd be happy if we gave you kind of a recreation of the Matrix original Matrix movie. But guess what, motherfuckers? We're blowing that up and we are going to go in a completely different direction. We're going to give you a giant fuck you and say no. Those that movie was great, but the problem with that movie is it so is it it was so it incorporated so many different aspects of of different philosoph philosophical um, aspects that anyone could ascribe anything to it. So you have red pillars, you have men's rights activists, you have alt right <gasps> oh grappling onto yes. this film. Where then you also have people talking about the way that it examines the 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 origins of. Uh, you know, hero story and talking about all these different ways. Like, there's so many. It could be anything to anyone. Well, and it's also like full. This is like fully a trans allegory too. On top of that, like it's mm -hmm. but the Wachowskis like outright said yes. This is like the first three, especially, were allegories for um their transition and like being mm -hmm. trans. And I'll talk about that in a second. But anyway. Yeah, so I just I, I think that that first movie, and this is why I kind of appreciate this movie a, a whole lot more, even though you need that first movie for this movie to work, is that I think that that movie was being a little too wishy washy when I when I was rewatching it in terms of like what it's about that too many people could could ascribe anything that they wanted to believe in in this movie, and so because of that, I think that this movie is as a direct answer to that where they're like, no, we're going to reclaim the story, we're gonna talk about the story from our perspective and it's going to be from our perspective by someone being a men's right activist that is, you know, hating women and using this red pill idea of like, I, I don't understand it either, but like, I, I truly do not understand it. <laughs> I, I just, I feel like this movie is doing something incredibly emotional. And as much as I enjoyed the first three movies and there are mo there are moments of, of emotion in it, it felt watching it on, on, back years later it kind of felt almost like emotionally stunted in some ways yeah you're supposed to feel sorry sad at this point but i never really did because i never felt like they were real people whereas this movie i feel like it is a love story that is 20 odd years <gasps> in the making and i cried i bawled at the ending like the movie just like got me in ways that the first three had never done well and i just like Spoilers to everybody. Spoilers, kind of. <laughs> I like how it's not, it's no longer about the one and him being like mm -hmm. the pinnacle. It's about mm -hmm. the two. Mm -hmm. And that just like, she's not just like a vehicle for his story. And yes. they like need each other for their stories. And I'm getting goosebumps because I just feel like, it's, you know, it's always a woman who is like, oh, I am like the vessel for his success. But and you see them in the movies having this relationship where he's like, I need you. And he, she, and it just seems like he's being like a kind of a sad boy a little bit sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But here they confirm like, no, like they are, their stories rely on one another and like their fates are intertwined and not just in like the cheesy way of like fantasy, but of, like they can not succeed without the other. And I don't know. It just, it just deconstructs that idea of the one in such a, yeah. ugh, I love it. Well, I think that that's the other problem I had rewatching the original matrix, which again, on, on Letterboxd, I think I gave it a five-star review. I think it's a great movie. But I think that, that if you look at it from a structural standpoint, it is basically the hero's journey. Like, it, there's, it doesn't do anything new. It is literally the hero's oh. journey. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that. Thing. I'm like, this is like – because Lord of the Rings is obviously also the hero's journey. I was mm -hmm. like, this is like Lord of the Rings, almost like plot point for plot oh, point. It is. It's, it really is. 
And, you know, and it takes the, the Christ narrative and it takes that it, it's like all of these type like birth, resurrection, death, yada, yada, yada. Like it takes that and, and just kind of streamlines it. And it's a good movie, but I don't think it's as thematically depth as a lot of people deep that is a lot of people think it is. And one thing that I've missed that I realized I was missing when I was watching this new movie was that it this movie's warm. This movie has warmth to it. It has humanity to it, which if you look back at those three movies, it's everyone trying to look the coolest. Mm-hmm. It's basically everyone wearing shades, everyone dressed in leather, everyone dressed in like and just being like, I'm a boss. I still love that, though. Oh, I do, too. <laughs> it, I do, too. No, but like, it, it's it's like these they they never felt like real people to me. Whereas in this they feel like real people. And I cared so much more about their struggles than I ever did in any of the first three movies. Again, loved those movies. But this movie just made me realize how much of that kind of human connection I was missing from them. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I, I never thought about, I, I also have watched, I watched the matrix multiple times a year. So mm-hmm. I also have like a, a stronger affinity right. for, Particularly, like, Neo and Trinity's relationship. Um, I'm obsessed with Carrie and Moss and Keanu Reeves, and I want them both to be my parents and my lovers <laughs> at the same time. I mean, same. <laughs> but I agree with you in that, like, Neo, Neo in the Matrix movies feels incredibly one-dimensional. Like, he and he is, like boy's gonna save it all and like look he's a little bit sad about it and it's a little bit weird but he doesn't have a lot to him but this one really like you said makes him more three-dimensional and i just love that i was giggling every time they said binary in this movie i was like it's gay steve look talking about being (laughs) trans and gay and he's just like i i get it they said binary again yeah I was like, they're doing it on purpose because it's a trans allegory. It's like, okay. It's like, you're welcome. Uh, that's hilarious. I just love their like how they brought in the new teams, the new blood. It, it expands it on this universe. I wish they'd done a little bit more with like, it's not us versus them. It's us and them. And like all the really cool shit they're doing with the machines. Mm-hmm. So I don't want them to make more because this kind of felt like, to me, this felt like a period, like a very big period. Yeah. And like, we're not going to get anything else, which is totally fine. I just, I want more like side universe stuff though. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love the world of the matrix and like, they've made such an incredibly de- like, incredible world. And now I want to know even more because they're like hanging out with the robots and making strawberries and shit. And it's just like, stop being good at making world, like doing world building. I want them to make another animatrix, you know, another like oh, yes. those yes, sort of yes. like side things where it's like it adds to the story, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a whole other Neo Trinity yeah. story. Because I want to know more. I want to know more about Bugs. I want to see. I, I loved her. <sighs> I loved her. I loved Bugs. I loved her whole crew, but I loved her the most because she was just like a little bad bitch who spoke right up to Naomi and was just mm-hmm. like, I do what I want. Um, I also really enjoyed Jonathan Groff's monologue at the beginning about sequels and how it's yes. one of the, the most, like, I was, I couldn't stop cackling because it was just like he was looking right. It was just like, like, um, Lana Wachowski looking right into Warner Brothers eyes and being like, fuck you. This movie has big fuck you energy. And I it love that about it. such fuck you energy. And it's so good. It's like, oh, you thought this was going to be an action movie? No, it's a fucking romantic, like, reuniting 
like the whole thing is about getting them back together and it's the best shit of my life. But also on the action side, those bodies falling out of the Good window. Lord. That was horrific. Oh, a lot. I was like gasping the entire time. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I know there's a lot of, there's some things in this movie about mental health that I'm, I, that I think are interesting. Like, um, and I think I, Steve and I are talking about this because like, you know, it's not my, you know, when he's, he's t- Neo seen taking the blue pill to like, mm-hmm. whatever. And there's a scene where he dumps his meds down the drain and like, I yeah. get it, don't take the blue pill. But like Steve, like both Steve and I kind of hate that trope. Like, and I understand like where it comes from, but it just like sometimes seeing someone dump their medicine down the drain like, yep. isn't my favorite thing to see. Yeah. And then like. The other problem, and not really a problem, because it's not necessarily a problem, but having the the main bad guy, the architect, be the therapist. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I read some stuff about, like, this could be, like, Lana Wachowski speaking out against therapists who told her that she wasn't trans or, like, wasn't transitioning. And, like, that I totally, like, I totally, totally get that. But on the other hand, it kind of feels a little bit weird to be, like, the therapist is the bad guy trying to keep you in line. And... I'm not Lana Wachowski. I do not mean to like speak any of that intention onto her. I know that she probably has her own experiences with mental health care that are in this, but yeah, that was just something that was like a little bit. It took me back to, I was like, Ooh, I don't know about this. And I, I did read, um, I can't remember who it was by or where it was, but I, I did read an article about someone talking about that scene from a, from a positive light. Mm, okay. And I, I wish I had it with me. I, I, I don't, I don't know where it was, but I did read it. It was, I can't remember if it was like, it was some, some magazine, online magazine. Uh, someone was writing about it and I was like, okay, that makes sense. Cause it did th- that, that whole idea of like dumping the pills, the bad guys, the therapist, like that definitely like kind of, mm. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right choice to make, but... <laughs> yeah, and again, like, I never want to be, like... Because I know that people have bad experiences with mental health care and help mental health care providers, and it's, like, I 100% know that not all, like, they're... It's hard to find a good therapist that actually respects you, especially if you're going through gender identity issues. Mm-hmm. So, like... So, I know I just feel like I don't want to sound like I'm, like, you'd be nice to therapists, but... Right. <laughs> Because I've had, I don't know, but I just wanted to bring it up because I was curious that that stuck out to you because that was something Steve and I talked about that we were like, I get it, but also, I can't believe you got the Matrix movie and I got to see it in theaters. It was one of those movies, though, that like, when I was done, I was like, I am so glad this is on HBO Max because I really want to go home and rewatch it and I probably will watch it. I was just thinking that. I was like, I kind of want to watch the Matrix again tonight. All four of them are on HBO Max, y'all, if you haven't. Oh, are Awesome. Yeah, so Steve and I watched all four of them just on HBO Max. Um, but, oh no, like people were like gasping at all like the certain parts together in the theater. And like, I know theaters are not like a great recommendation right now. We went to like a 1030 show, so there weren't that many people. We were all spaced out. And so we would like gasp and cheer at certain moments. Or like when there was one of like those nostalgia hits would be like, wow, or something. I don't know. It was just like. It was kind of a nice little communal experience I hadn't really had in a long time in a movie, like at the week, the weekend or like the week of a big release. So that was kind of cool. Or you have, um, because we went to go see it at the Alamo and they played the, uh, the, the 
stop motion video created by <gasps> that trans by artist Chris, by Chris May. Oh, what's her last name? Chris May of Beer. Yes, Chris right? May of Beer. Yes, they hired her to um to do this uh, stop motion trans reading kind of of the matrix and like her seeing herself in the matrix and of course asshat behind me was like i just don't see that and i wanted to turn around and just punch him because i could literally see him like taking his toys and being like this is mine not yours you can't play with the thing that i love that's what it felt like well, and there's been a lot of people like that on Twitter, like shitty, like I've seen like screen caps of them rather than actual people tweeting this. People like dunking, taking screen caps and dunking on these guys who are like, this isn't about being trans. And it's like, man, well, a trans woman directed it. They're like, what do you mean? It's like, sorry to break it to you, buddy. <laughs> Side note, that was one of the things that kind of bothered me uh, watching the original ones because I, I bought the four, the 4K Blu-rays and so I was, I was watching them off there and they I, I don't know if this is like a requirement i don't know if this was like an approved thing i don't under, i don't know but they were dead named in it and i was kind of hoping that you oh, know wait, that's bad i don't think i don't think they've been able to do i think it's been like it's been a thing for a long time because this is the first matrix movie that has their real their names on mm-hmm. or, or at least lana's name on it and not their dead names or the wachowski the wachowskis are like mm-hmm and so that bothered me because I really thought, you know, if you're yeah. releasing this 4K Blu-ray set that maybe you would spend a dollar and change the names. But no. And I don't know if that's a requirement. I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't think it's a requirement. I think it's just like, I know that they just never could change it. I don't know if they ever asked, but I feel like there were people saying they wanted the change to change it. But like WB just said no. Mm. Great. But yeah, that's Matrix Resurrections. Yeah. It's really good. I agree. Obviously. <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh let's let's briefly talk about this smoldering Richard Gear because I had seen this movie in the movie theaters and I had not seen it since then. And I know you had never seen it, and I am based on the, the text I got from you today, I am so curious to hear what your thoughts are about Unfaithful. What is this movie? <laughs> okay. So okay. Let me read y'all a synopsis real quick, and then we'll get into it. Because if this is not the this this is the saddest erotic thriller thriller that we have watched. <laughs> yes, it, it is, is the saddest erotic thriller that ever existed. And I was I texted Terry because I went from really sexy to really sad really quick, and I was like, "Wait, what the <laughs> fuck is happening?" And it was well, there was an hour left of the movie, and I was like, "What possibly else could happen?" Tagline: Where do you go when you've gone too far? <laughs> Connie is a wife and mother whose eleven-year marriage to Edward Richard Gere has lost its sexual spark. When Connie literally runs into handsome book collector Paul, he sweeps her into an all-consuming affair. But Edward soon becomes suspicious and decides to confront the other man. Uh, b- before we get too in depth in it, and this might be a little spoiler for uh, an up- upcoming episode, but the moment that she meets this man, I was like. This movie would not have happened if Uber or Lyft existed. <laughs> and again, that is a little a little teaser for an upcoming episode. This is the second time that we have seen that happen in less than a month. Because, like, literally, it's only because she could not find herself a taxi that she's like, I'm going to go in with this guy. And so, really, his death is on Uber. It is. <laughs> 
Incredible. That's it. That's all we have to say about this. <laughs> but, okay. This movie starts off as Diane Lane, who is the hottest woman to ever. Mm. Like, we don't talk about her enough. Mm. This woman is fucking gorgeous. Mm. Good Lord. Just had to say that out right. But she's really hot. She's incredibly Richard hot. Richard is pretty hot. Oh, I kind of got confused at the beginning. I was like, wait, what's wrong? But I guess like, okay, look, I just have to say, I have something to say here and it might be a little bit weird. I have been with Steve for 10 years. Their marriage is 11 years. Now I know that we are not married, but if I have been with that motherfucker for almost a decade, and let me tell you, this scenario has not once crossed my mind. Not one time has it... I always think I have like this moral superiority over these people. Yeah. Like, excuse me, that's not that long. You, you know, okay. Here's the thing. Sorry, I think it just makes me laugh thinking about that. I mean, I think the biggest plot hole of this movie is the fact that she would leave this incredibly, incredibly hot. Like, he smolders in this movie. He's rich. He's smart. He's good looking. He treats her right. Nice. He seems like a good yeah. father. He seems like a good husband. He has upper body strength because dude just like heaved that dead body out of the elevator at one point. Like, <laughs> dude is a catch. And okay, I get it. Paul has these beautiful cheekbones and he's he's French and Look, he has an accent. I get it. But girl. Diane is one lucky bitch. Because these two men are lusting after Seriously? her, and honestly, well, I mean, I would same, and I'm gay as can be. Yeah, but <laughs> so honestly, God. like she's the winner here. Um, <laughs> so she, they, okay. The the funniest way is how they meet in the goddamn windstorm. I'm like, what? Is, what in God's name? So it's like it's this is like this in New York City. So like, sh- it's fucking ridiculous. That wind. They, it's like a very windy day and she's walking down like a street like in New hurricane. York City like her like winds that like are unreal like do not happen there's like paper <laughs> flying everywhere trash she falls over skins her like drops a bunch of shit she's carrying a bunch of balloons for some reason and then she literally runs into Paul and he's carrying a comedic stack of books like it's the <laughs> most like and those it are is heavy books most, rom-com meet cute i've ever oh. seen because it doesn't make any goddamn sense You're like why is it so windy why do you have so many books why are you carrying two bags of inflatables and they literally <laughs> hit each other and fall over and i'm like i mean i love it because it's so ridiculous and then it's not cute anymore after that no <laughs> like, but it's like it's the funniest shit i've ever seen because he's just like oh well you should come upstairs to rinse your knee. And she's just like, I gotta go. He's like, okay, you can sit out here by yourself. And then she goes into this bomb ass apartment. Mm. And then Let me get he's lost like, in flirting. there. She's flirting with him or he's flirting with her. And then she's just like, I have to go. My husband waits. Um, <laughs> and then of course they fuck like, duh, of course mm. they fuck. Mm-hmm. But then it gets really sad. Like, like really sad. The the kind of one-two punch of her seeing him with another guy or another girl. I, I wish it was with the guy that'd be Oh, hot. man, that'd be kind of great if it was a guy. I'd be like, I mean, yeah. there was this moment when, like, Richard Gere, like, goes over to to see uh, Olivier. And I'm like, they're like, there's so much tension between the two. I'm like, oh, my God. Can they just kiss? <laughs> 
can this be like my bisexual like fantasy right there? Yes. Living the bisexual but, fantasy. But okay, so she gets this like one two punch because first she sees him with um another woman, and then after he goes missing slash is killed, the cops come to her and say, like, yeah, his his wife wants to know where he's at. And it's like, oh. And then and then don't worry, she finds out that her husband is the one that killed him because he has her followed by a private <laughs> investigator. Do that do those still exist? Do people actually <laughs> use those? Because I have if you listeners, if you've used one or know a story about someone who's used one, please let me know because please. I just have so many questions. Me too. Then he confronts the guy and then kills him with a snow globe. With a snow globe. <laughs> just bashes it over his head. This movie, to me, cannot decide what it wants to be, in a way. Let me explain this. Obviously, it's a erotic thriller, but I sometimes can't tell. It's, it's being super self-serious with mm. the silliest shit. Like mm-hmm. that meet cute, the snow globe. Like it's campy ridiculousness, but in a movie that doesn't think it's camp, no. which might be the most camp of all. <laughs> but it's just like there's campiness in this movie that is not intentional. I think it's very, very serious. But mm-hmm. I'm just like, this seems a little silly, and I feel bad for giggling. But it's a little silly. <laughs> it is, it is a little silly. Uh, it, it, I definitely like. I realized watching this time that the kind of tonal changes between it, where it's like, yes, it's it's like, okay, this is a very silly opening. Oh, this is really kind of sexy. Oh, this is really sad. Oh, this is kind of funny. I don't know what to feel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, tragedy at the end when they both realize like I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I'm on an emotional Do you think he turned himself in? I think he did. Mm. That's my thought. Yeah, that last that last shot is a really good last shot. It's just like a really candid conversation, and then the camera is like situated behind them and it's like at a stop sign stop sign in front of a police department, which is kind of weird, but they're just parked there and it's like, oh, oh. It's not like the fun erotic thriller with like a crazy ending. It has like kind of a crazy ending, but then you get like the consequences of that ending and you're like, <gasps> which I think is interesting that it kind which of, I, I did. I did like that a lot though. Cause like, you know, it always ends like right with like the climax, mm-hmm. but here it takes another, I was like, how is there still more time left? I know, but it uses it wisely. It, it uses that really time. Well. Yeah. Oh, like when their eyes meet on the, so the snow, she gave she gave the snow globe to her French lover. Her husband gave her the snow globe, which she gave to her French lover. The husband sees the snow globe by the lover's house, gets pissed, kills the guy with it, then brings it home. She sees that it's back in the house, and she goes, oh, and she puts it all together, and they lock eyes for a very long period of time. And then you and find like, out that it was like an anniversary gift, and he slipped a note into it. Like, and like a the picture base of about it. her being the best wife, and it's just like... It's like, whew. <sighs> They were just really, like, digging that knife in. I know. And it's like, I was like, oh, are we, why are we in his perspective now? Are we trying to demonize her? But they're both, like, neither of them is worse than the other. No. They're both just trying to grapple with it on the same. And I'm like, wait, is this so smart? <laughs> and really weird tonally, but also, like, really interesting in how it's taking the erotic thriller idea and, like, making it more equal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I actually think the last the last hour of this is a really smart movie. And yeah, I agree. 
I like it even. I liked it, but I like it even more now to talk about it. Yeah, same. Because I, I definitely was watching this and like, okay, I don't understand what is happening. I, my notes are a bunch of like, why is she sticking her son's gum in her mouth? Why is <laughs> <laughs> like, moms, do you do this? Because that's really gross. <laughs> I mean, I've seen kids, kids' is like snot-covered faces. I don't want to stick that gum in my mouth. I don't care if they're mine. Ew. <laughs> but there's like moments of that, and then it's like really like kind of powerful stuff about the concept of marriage and what it means. And I just, I found that very, I found it very emotional, but also really silly. <laughs> yeah. She has That's... sex in a bathroom. Oh. These have a lot of sex all over the place. Like, uh-huh. loud. Uh-huh. Loud. And, like, look, do your thing. But people could probably hear it that, right? <laughs> it wasn't very um, uh, hidden in that, in that No, because that they, restaurant. they also burst through, like, six different sets of doors. Yeah, like, I'm like, how many doors? Like, how many Christ, doors where are you going? <laughs> and then he lifts her up, basically, on top of the stall. I'm like, look, great for you. But what? angle is happening here i suddenly want a uh, erotic thriller parody where they're just like bursting through doors and it's just like a 10 minute scene of them just going through door through door through door like fucking as they go through doors i just want that now <laughs> give it to me because that was ridiculous i'm like how many doors are there that is incredible yep mm-hmm. uh but unfaithful y'all give any um, like Faithful. A double, almost double episode to end the year on. It's kind of a, a good way to end the year, I, I guess. I think so, too. Holy shit, it's the end of the year. Good lord. I know. Sweet it is literally Jesus. when this episode comes out, the last day of the year, so. All right. So, Terry, what are we talking about next week on Little Cuts? Um, okay. So, this was a movie that um, I, when I was talking with Joe Lipset, uh, he has he has mentioned. And I think I have seen it at one point. It's, dire- it's by director... Atom Egoyan, I think is how you pronounce his name. I think I think he's a Canadian director, and it is the movie Exotica from 1994, and it has Bruce Greenwood in it. Weird. Yeah, and Elias Cotillas, Cotillas yeah. and Sarah Polly. Uh, also forgot Mia Kirshner, who and was Mia in L Word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that's what we're gonna watch next week, and I'm really excited to to watch it because the uh, the synopsis both sounds kind of vaguely sad, but also kind of wild. So I'm yes. curious, I'm and that is playing on the curious. Criterion Channel. If you want to watch and follow along with us, but who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? Oh my God! The first episode of the new year. I know. Starting off 2022 with a bang, we are talking with writer and voice actor Addison Peacock about Mm -hmm. James Wan's unsung Mm. masterpiece, Mm. Dead Silence. Terry, Mm. shut your mouth. (laughs) Shut your mouth. Shut it. Shut it. Uh, (laughs) It's a very fun conversation. It's a very fun episode because I know, okay, look, I love Dead Silence. I know it's not a great movie, but it's still a great movie, if you know what I mean. So... Whatever. Get excited, everybody. <laughs> we fight. Me and Terry fight again. It's great. <laughs> anyway, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film or read one of the books we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies we should be watching, things we should be reading? 
send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MV McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful, and I am here for all of your, like, dead silence hot takes. <laughs> uh, and of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. It is the last episode of the year. We have given you 54 little cuts and a hundred and some odd full episodes. So if you're listening to us, please give us like two seconds of your time and give us a rating and a review and make sure that you are subscribed. Please and thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a happy new year. Stay safe. Stay happy. Mm-hmm. Stay COVID free. We are so grateful for all of you. So stay again, stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next year. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.